The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decision. Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Stock Doc. I'm Dr. Nigel Finch, and joining me from a lockdown Melbourne is Michael Hines. He's Executive Director of ASX Listed Investment Manager, Actus Investment Group, under the ticker code AVC. Now, AVC invests into companies and platforms that operate in growth sectors, and they're really looking for businesses that have very significant potential to scale. Now, one such investment of theirs just completed a massive $50 million capital raise, and uh, and the listed entity, AVC itself, just became cash flow positive for the past two successive quarters. Michael, it seems you've been very busy at AVC. Can you tell us about uh, the capital raising during the coronavirus lockdown and what your investors are seeing on the horizon in the markets that you guys operate in? Yeah, no, thanks, Nigel. Thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, raising money uh, over the last six months has been has been difficult. Um, you know, we're a we're a listed private equity uh, manager, I guess, for um, for one of uh, the the better way to describe it. But um, I guess you know, good assets sell themselves. We were very lucky to have uh, a partner in the US, um, RBP Partners, which was managing a battery storage and renewable energy business over there. Um, we had the opportunity to help them raise some money um, and uh, the quality of the asset really sold itself. And it was a very big lift, as you pointed out. Um, 50 million Aussie dollars is, uh, is quite a lot <laughs> in, the, in the current environment. Um, we closed it out 33.5 million US, so it's just under 50 Aussie but, and oversubscribed. Um, I guess when you're looking at assets and when we look at assets uh, or opportunities for our investors, not only do we do a lot of work uh, in the lead up in terms of DD and, and exec- monitoring the execution, et cetera, but we're also looking for assets which have IRRs of, you know, sort of 20, 25% plus. So um, if you can offer that type of opportunity to investors, uh, whether they be family office, high net worth, wholesale, um, wealth managers, et cetera, then uh, the asset is can be quite popular because there's, there's not a lot of uh, those types of returns available in the market, particularly when you look at the ASX, which is obviously very volatile, so it's not for everybody. Cash rates are very low. Um, so these types of private equity investments, if people are prepared to sort of sit tight for a while, um, are quite popular right now. Well, certainly um, just over the last... Um few trading weeks, there's been um, considerable interest in the AVC stock, and I'd encourage listeners just to have a look at that on the charts. But um, Michael, can you just explain what AVC is, what AVC does, and fundamentally how you guys make money for your shareholders? Yeah, sure. So we're a listed global investment manager with about 100 million um, assets under management, which uh, was a great milestone that we ticked over about two weeks ago, Nigel. We focus on uh, opportunities across private equity, infrastructure, private real estate, education, healthcare, you know, really what people need rather than what they want. Um, Our core investment thesis is investing in sectors with strong tailwinds and obviously the potential to scale on a global basis. We're probably what's better described as expansion capital. So 
we don't do startups. Um, we'd like to de-risk the opportunities that we invest in on behalf of our shareholders and stakeholders. Um, and by doing so, um, we look for businesses where the business model has actually been proven. They do have some revenue. They don't necessarily need to be cash flow positive, um, but we do need to take you know somewhere between sort of ten and forty million dollar uh, stakes in their business. So. Um, you know, we, we're very lucky. We've got access to unique, unique investment opportunities um, via what we consider to be a proprietary network and joint venture partners, both here and in the US. And I referenced RBP partners before. We're very lucky to have an, um, an economic interest in an early stage VC fund in the US called Scout Ventures. Um, and we've just signed up a deal in, uh, in the US again um, in uh, student quarter accommodation. So um, we focus on, but we're not limited to, um, Nigel, healthcare, as I said, education, energy solutions and, and sort of alternative real estate. Um, we look to deliver excess returns and you know portfolio diversification. So we encourage people to look at private equity, not as the entire part of their portfolio, but obviously part of a diversified portfolio um, because the returns can be very attractive. Um, we look at investments where the company and co-investors can deploy between sort of 10 and $50 million, as I mentioned before, uh, private mid-market investment opportunities with you know, strong management, a proven product, reoccurring customers and revenue streams, um, long-term uh, annuity-style revenue is something that's very attractive to us. Uh, contracts with utilities and governments attracted us to uh, government bodies that is attracted us to the energy storage business in the US. So as a manager of those opportunities, we charge a management fee. And I'm getting back to your, your question about um, how, we, how we make money. Um, we charge a management fee uh, on those um, for each individual unit trust that we raise for each opportunity. Um, we, we charge a 2% management fee on that. Um, obviously, is the opportunities or the, or the unit trusts add up. So does the revenue stream, and that's reoccurring over the life of the fund, um, and which is traditionally between three to five years. Um, and of course, uh, if if we've made the right decision, and touch wood, we believe we have so far, um, the big return for investors uh, and, and key stakeholders uh, is in the performance fee. So as we exit uh, and we get a performance fee, then obviously we'd be paying out a majority of that to uh, our shareholder base, the loyal shareholders that have backed us on the way through in terms of special dividends and capital returns. So that's obviously the big the big prize um, for our uh, investor base. There's a lot of things to like about this. I mean, um, you know, the, 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 the high conviction stakes, so the big, big investments, the big lick investments that you're doing, um, you know, is uh, is really impressive. But, but more so, you're taking it into that scale-up space and not that start-up space. And, uh, and many listeners would know uh, my views on that and, and why I would favour the, the scale-up. Um, the other thing is, I guess, investing traditionally in private equity means investing in highly illiquid assets. But the great thing is for AVC shareholders is that the shares are, uh, are, are traded on the ASX. So there's a high degree of liquidity. So look, I'm liking what I'm hearing. Um, Michael, can you lift the bonnet and tell us what's inside? Um, can you talk about some of the assets that are under management, you know, some of the top investments that you have? Yeah, look, maybe I'll just quickly start with uh, some of the results that came out in the last couple of days and the highlights around those, um, Nigel, and, and get, get back to answering your question specifically. But 
Um, as I said, we've just surpassed $100 million in assets under management. Um, we achieved that in uh, about 14 months. I think we started with about 15 or 20. So that was um, that's pretty exciting. Um, and obviously, we'll have a bit of a spring in our step around that. We, we have a line of sight to hopefully doubling that over the next sort of 12 to 18 months. Um, we closed the energy fund, so the, the battery storage business oversubscribed at 33 and a half. So that was a big lift, as we talked about. Um, we've just posted our second cash flow positive quarter. Um, so over $1.1 million in operating revenue was generated during the June quarter. It's up 60, 66% on March. Um, the second consecutive quarter of positive cash flow from operations um, was up 86% on March, and March was our first ever cash flow positive quarter. So we've clocked up two in a row. Um, cash flow for the 12 months is in excess of $2.7 million. So, you know, we've put a lot of a lot of very hard work into building the foundations of this business um, under the leadership of um, Campbell McComb, uh, our managing director. And we're very, very proud to be you know out here talking to people like you about where we are. We've got a very strong cash position of $1.8 million at the end of June. Um, and our net assets are about 8 million. NTA is about 6.8. So, um, yeah, look, we're in a we're in a pretty strong position um, as we as we talk to you today. And um, you mentioned before you've got the investments in uh, in the student accommodation sector, but also this uh, this Scout fund. Can you tell us a little bit about Scout? Yeah, well, just um, I can absolutely just on the student quarters. We only announced that a day or two ago, so. Um, the, the intention is to raise US $50 million um, to invest into student quarter accommodation in the US. Um, we haven't launched that yet, um, but we do intend on scaling that up from 50 to potentially 250 over uh, 250 million US, that is, over, over three years. Um, and our partner in the US is student quarters. They'll co-invest 5 to 10% in each asset uh, as alignment capital as they come up. So I just wanted to clarify that. Um, as far as Scout goes, we've had a long association um, with Wes Blackwell and Brad Harrison from uh, the founders of Scout Ventures. Um, they're very, very smart guys that invest into what we would probably call frontier technology. Um, very, very early stage, very high tech opportunities. Um, it was our first JV partner and it also originated our first deal, which was Unite Us as a health tech platform um, in the US, where we were fortunate enough to to to, to get 4.8 million US dollars worth of uh, of that stock very early early doors and co-invested uh, with the likes of uh, some of the biggest private equity companies uh, in the US. Um, Oak Health is being one of them, uh, which some people, some of your listeners would know. Um, we're also raising some money in their Scout Fund number three, um, US ten to fifteen million dollars. That's open at the moment, um, and we have an economic interest in that Scout Fund number three. These guys are ex-military guys, Nigel, um, and uh, very interesting. One, uh, one's one's Navy, one's military. Um, they both uh, went to extremely high levels. Uh, they both oper- uh, they both operated uh, in various countries. Um, uh, they have access to, and one of our guys is, is based in Washington, D.C., sits nicely between um, some of the big agencies there. So they're seeing some very interesting deal flow out of uh, tech hubs like uh, DARPA uh, and Incutel, Incutel being the CIA tech lab and DARPA, the Department of Homeland Security tech lab as well. So um, the feed that we get from those guys is something that we think is a, is very much niche, Uh 
the opportunities that we get within those funds to raise money at the at the company level, um, no one would really see here in Australia, and no one would have access to. So, um, again, we're raising some money for the for Scout as as a holding company, which gives you access to all these little interesting companies underneath the banner, and that's cyber security. It's you know, um, machine learning, all that sort of stuff. It's extremely high tech, extremely interesting, and, and we love dealing with those guys. They've been very good supporters. Mm. You know, I'm always curious about the governance structures that listed companies have in place, and um, I've taken a bit of a cursory look at yours, Michael, and it looks very impressive. Can you talk to us about your... Uh, governance posturing and, um, and and what is it that you're doing um, in terms of improving governance and transparency um, in AVC? Yeah, no, thanks. That's a great question, Nigel. I'm glad you asked it because I think it's really important for retail investors out there to understand that corporate governance is extremely important these days and a lot of companies who don't get their corporate governance right tend to not last too long. So um, right from the very outset, um, Campbell and I decided that we have an extremely strong corporate governance profile. Um, so Orctus outsourced trustee, administration and custodial services to independent and very respected third-party organisations. These trusted third parties, they provide sort of additional oversight to our fund investors. Um, and outsourcing um, these elements, let's call them, of the back office provides our business with scalability in operations. It ensures we're focused on delivering high-quality investment opportunities to our investors. Um, so the associations we have are with names that will be very familiar with you, uh, to you and your and your listeners. Um, obviously, Equity Trustees has been around for over 100 years. In fact, I think they were established in 1888. Um, as an independent trustee and executive company, they've become one of Australia's largest uh, specialist trustee companies and they, um, they provide specialist corporate trustee services and independent funds governance services in Australia and the UK and Europe, uh, but in particular to us. So we're very proud to have them as a, a trustee. Um, mainstream fund services uh, is probably uh, our second uh, most important uh, corporate governance relationship. Mainstream offers a leading fund administration and custody service for fund managers and listed companies. Um, they provide sort of custody, middle office, investment administration, fund accounting and unit registry services. So all these things are outsourced by us um, to third parties and, uh, and that, that certainly provides a degree of transparency to investors when they look through what we're doing at the fund level. And... You know, looking at your business, I, I guess I'm drawn to a few things. There's cash flow positive. There's 100 million assets under management. There's NTA of about, I think you said about 8 million and so forth. But, um, you know, your business is is, is somewhat unique. And I, and I think that, um, you know, some of the listeners wouldn't have looked at AVC previously. So can you help us understand what metrics investors should be looking at to better understand the progress you guys are making and also the valuation? Yeah, another good question. And people do struggle to, um, to value our types of businesses. And I guess um, I can talk to that in, in a couple of different ways. Um, we, we are lucky enough to operate in, um, on the ASX as a, as a listed company. Um, 
our peers are companies like um, Molus, Pinnacle, Magellan. They're enormous companies. Um, they've done very well and they're companies that, that we admire and respect. Um, then there's us and there's not a lot in between. So um, we think that we have uh, a, a very niche product. Um, we think we're operating in an area which is um, has very high barriers to entry um, and we're lucky that uh, we've established ourselves. Um, in terms of the assets under management, the rule of thumb, let's say, um, amongst all our compcos uh, would, to, would be to value each business on its merits around 25% of assets under management, okay? So, for instance, if we've, we've just posted $100 million AUM a week ago, um, rule of thumb would suggest, give or take, um, that our market cap should be around $25 million. It's probably around 16 or 17 at the moment. So that's the rule of thumb that the other bigger guys use. Now, we haven't been around as long as they have, so we don't probably should, maybe don't uh, command that 25% premium, but, you know, it's, it's thereabouts. But I think uh, certainly, you, you know, there's evidence that you're, you're, you're closing that gap. Um, uh, but certainly, you, you know, you, you mentioned a few things. You are niche, um, you know, you are established, um, but small with... Um, you know this relatively modest market cap, um, but uh, but as your AUM grows, it should be um, uh, pretty straightforward uh, for us to see how the uh, market cap will start to increase, um, provided that you keep ticking the boxes in cash flow, in revenue growth, in uh, the quality of the investments that you're making, and in, and in the governance. Um, so, Michael, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and your experience in investment markets? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, without without wanting to bore them too much on my bio, so I, I started off um, in uh, in Melbourne working for BZW, which was the investment banking arm of Barclays Bank, and that's where I cut my teeth in the institutional equity sales market. Um, that uh, that business was taken over by ABN AMRO. Uh, early, early to mid '90s, I think it was. Um, I relocated to Singapore with Credit Suisse and was running their Aussie equity sales desk up there. Um, and I was responsible for uh, Singapore and parts of Hong Kong. Jumped ship to Citigroup just after subprime, um, and uh, so that was an interesting move. Um, very similar role with uh, some more sort of account management responsibilities there. Um, I got to the sort of the end of 2010, Nigel, and um, had to, had a little bit of a gut full of working for uh, for big investment banks. Or, uh, even though they were some of the most enjoyable years, things were starting to change um, fairly aggressively, particularly in that market uh, post GFC, etc. So I started my own corporate uh, advisory business, which um, ultimately led me back to Australia and um, got involved with uh, what what is today Orctus um, uh, with with Campbell. You know, three years ago now, so. Um, Campbell, uh, Campbell's got the funds management experience. He's been um, working within family offices and funds management businesses for, for over 20, 25 years. Um, I'm investment banking uh, experience in the equity markets and structuring and corporate finance, etc. So we think that those two, um, those two sets of skills come together quite well. Um, there's obviously a lot of uh, banter in the office about, you know, my ability to manage funds, et cetera, and, uh, and his ability to, to manage equity. So it's always a bit of fun. But uh, we're also backed up by um, two extremely capable guys in our, um, in our capital markets 
department. So they're, um, they're obviously the guys that are out there shaking the tin with the family offices, the wealth managers, high net worth and sophisticated investors as we find each opportunity. Um, and uh, Justine's our head of funds, who's very proficient in putting the fund structure together as well, um, and also has the uh, the role of dealing with uh, our outsourced corporate governance partners, equity trustee and mainstream. Um, so, yeah, without boring everybody, that uh, that's probably my my uh, bio in a nutshell. Uh, you missed out the surfing. I understand uh, you're a bit of a keen surfer as well. <laughs> um, well, look. Uh, yes, I am a keen surfer. I, I wouldn't say I'm a very good surfer. Um, I'm very much a fair weather surfer. So um, being here in Victoria, I find the water a little bit chilly, Nigel. Um, so, you know, the, the nice soft waves and Changu and Bali and various other places are probably a little bit more appealing to me, as is the temperature of the water. Um, but uh, as I sit here in, in ISO, um, the prospects of me getting on a plane going anywhere where there's warm water are, are very, very thin at the moment. It's, uh, it's a very good thought. <laughs> but yeah. I, yeah, look, I love, I love the water and so do my kids. And, you know, we were always trying to gravitate towards um, holiday destinations that have beaches and surf. Mm. Now, t- tell me, Back to this investment management, you know, you, you made the point that there are, um, you know, these other um, behemoth groups out there that are doing what you're doing. You're the niche player listed on the ASX. Um, fundamentally, your investment thesis is for ASX investors to to buy your stock because you are a good investment manager. So, um what is it that makes a good investment manager? Is it instinct? Is it experience? What, what, what do you think it is that brings the difference to the portfolio? Yeah, uh, look, another good question, and it's and it's something that we spent a lot of time on um, in the early days of the business. But you know, we've we spent a lot of time putting together what we call the Octus Lens with our um, senior analyst Mo, uh, who's done a terrific job. That's like a forty-eight layer screen over companies. Now, not every layer um, will be used for each an individual companies because they're all they're all very different, of course. Um, but that gives us a very very good understanding of the businesses, but. Um, where we think we offer a bit of a, a differentiation is that we partner up with uh, these companies very early on. In some cases, we'll be following businesses for six to 12 months before we even put them through the DD process. Um, and that gives us an, that gives us a very good opportunity to what we call sort of mark their homework. So um, I think everyone who's involved in the financial markets will understand that execution is absolutely key. So we talked about corporate governance before, crucial. But execution and timing around that execution is obviously is critical because you can't go out um, promising promising the world and delivering an atlas. You, you really actually in these markets that, that are very unforgiving, you will be rewarded for, for good execution. So uh, we think that the process that we have to identify good opportunities, the parameters that we have around the metrics of those businesses, i.e., IRRs of sort of 20% plus in, in some cases, and if they're lower, there's probably a yield attached to it. Um, yes, you lock up the you lock up your money in that particular fund in that opportunity for three to five years, for example, unless there's an exit or liquidity event. Um, but it's a very very appealing very appealing to investors out there. So what? announcements can we expect to see over the coming quarters? I mean, if we think this through, 
you've got the energy storage fund, um, you've got the capital raising associated with student quarters. What, what are what, what's the likely pattern of news flow that we should expect to see? Yeah, yeah, it's obviously going to be a little bit careful with the way I answer that. But, um, you know, the student quarter announcement we made the other day, uh, we will be launching a fund to raise 50 million US initially, and that's not included in our assets under management number of 100. So, you know, there's a line of sight to 150 almost straight away. And hopefully, if we're successful, the first 50 and it grows um, in the time frame that, that we're thinking, our AUM is going to grow um, fairly significantly and we'll be making quarterly announcements around our assets under management as well. Um, as far as the underlying opportunities and portfolio companies um, are concerned, uh, you know, look, having an exit and a successful one is extremely important. Um, that can be via a trade sale or an IPO. Um, in the case of Unite Us and also uh, the battery storage business, ES Volta, both of those um, options are on the table, uh, as you would expect. Um, but both of them are extremely good businesses uh, as they stand right now. But for us, running a private equity business, um, the performance fees are crucial uh, in order to reward our shareholders. So, you know, we would like to see some type of exit within the life of the fund so we can uh, obviously reward the loyal shareholders. And lastly, Michael, in 20 seconds or less, can you tell us why investors should be adding AVC to their watch list? <laughs> well, look, I think as we established before, if you use the uh, the metrics, uh, the 25% of AUM, um, gives you 25 million uh, market cap, our market cap sort of between 16 and 17. So I think we are cheap, number one. Um, secondly, I think we offer a very niche product. Uh, if anyone, I, I bet I, I certainly challenge anybody to, to suggest that if we have a, a deck on a company that uh, they've seen before, then we're not doing our job properly. So um, then that's testament to some of our channel partners uh, and of course, the family offices that we work very closely with and have supported our business on the way through. So, yeah, niche niche product, uh, uh, a very tight team, um, a very very good corporate governance program, um, and a, a very exciting future. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much to my guest Michael Hines, Executive Director of AVC, for joining us for this edition of Stock Doc. And you can stay in touch with us through our Stockhead website. And if you haven't already done so. Remember to subscribe to our twice daily newsletter for ASX market coverage, company profiles and industry insights.